This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. Hello and welcome to the latest Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel. I'm your host, Matt Addison, and I'm delighted to say that alongside me is Birmingham Live's West Brom reporter, Joe Chapman, who is, of course, here to preview the game between the Reds and Sam Allardyce's men. Joe, welcome back to the Blood Red podcast. Are you looking forward to Sunday's game? I am, yeah. I think there's still a little bit riding on the game. Most West Brom fans may view it as a dead rubber, but I think that while you're playing a team that have still got plenty to play for, that there should be something still riding on the game. I think there's a, a requirement for West Brom to be very professional still, despite their uh, their fate being sealed last week. So, yeah, it's it's the reason you want to be in the Premier League if you're a team like West Brom to play and, and welcome teams like Liverpool. So, um, it's a shame that it's fallen just the wrong side of the uh, the welcoming of fans back, but it's it's always been a, it's always been a very very enjoyable game whenever I've been in Liverpool meeting recent years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the relegation place is already decided, as you say. West Brom are already down. How much do you think the pressure being off them for this one might impact things? Do they sort of have a, a bit more license to to go for it? Maybe, possibly. Yeah, I think. Well, we've seen certainly at uh, at Anfield in the reverse fixture, and just generally when they've played the the traditional top six clubs this season, they've they've picked up a. Uh, a sizable bulk of their their points total, really. Uh, they took a point at the Etihad. They've taken four points off Chelsea. Uh, they've got a point against United as well. So they've actually performed pretty well. And it feels like maybe those games where you go into them as a West Brom player and the pressure's off a little bit because you're playing against one of the bigger, better sides in the division. So the, the, they're, they're able to kind of just relax a little bit um, and the pressure's off them and, and they've been able to kind of garner those results over the course of the season. They, they saw that at the back end of last season when they were going for promotion, they were coming up against teams at the very, very end of the season who didn't have any, anything to play for. And they felt that that kind of um, that pressure, whereas the opponents, the teams like QPRs and the Huddersfield who upset them at the end of the season, had very little to play for and were able to take the game to them. And I think that's what Albion can do, actually, against Liverpool is, is upset. And of course, you know, we know, what, we know what Sam's relationship's like with Merseyside and... Uh, I'm sure he'll be very, very uh, eager to to kind of um, lay lay a glove on on Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp. There's so much to play for, as as we know, for Liverpool that um, you know it would be kind of typical Sam to kind of pull a result out of the bag. Yeah, we'll we'll have a, a chat about Mr. Allardyce shortly, but uh, in, in terms of, of the way that that he sets up his team for for this one, I mean. The one thing that Liverpool really have struggled with at times this season is that low, the, the, the low block, the, the defensive sort of structure. Do you think it's it's likely that Liverpool are going to come up against that? Or is it more likely that West Brom could just sort of attack a little bit more and, and go for it maybe on the counter? I think there should be a little bit of a licence. At Anfield, it was, it was really, um, I mean, the first half, bearing in mind it was just after Sam had taken charge, it was his second game in charge and... I don't really recall West Brom leaving their half in the first half at Anfield. And honestly, that that on that occasion, I know uh, I think it was Mane who scored the goal. It could have been three or four at half time, and there would have been no complaints at all. And the second half, they managed to kind of open up a little bit um, and 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 punish Liverpool from a from a set piece. And that's what they've done. You know, at the Etihad, they did exactly the same. And um, They've been able to let the goals flow a little bit more in, in recent weeks. You know, that, that Chelsea game will be one that stands out when it comes to the end of the season. And regardless of their their relegation, that's going to be one that's going to be a very memorable afternoon, you know, in terms of the performance and the goals they scored that day. The quality of those goals were excellent. And when Manchester United came to the Hawthorns not too long ago, actually, 
I would suggest that United were probably quite lucky to leave with a point. So, you know, because of the way that they took the game to them and the way that uh, the, the chances that Albin created. So it's not just a case of Tony Pulis-esque, let's just stick 11 men behind the ball and um, and hope for the best. I think there is definitely an element with Allardyce that, you know, the, the, there have been times this season where the football's been really, really good. And uh, so uh, too many times it's fallen down in the final third where, you know, they haven't had that clinical goal scorer. Diang's added something, but he's not scored anywhere near as many goals as he ought to have done. So it's... Um, it's an interesting matchup, I think, really. And, and you're right, you go back to that point about a little bit of the, the pressure being off them and, and having very little to play for. There should be, really, a freedom to to go and just kind of take the game to Liverpool. It's interesting you mentioned the, the game against Chelsea. That was one I was going to pick out. I mean, to go to, to Stamford Bridge and, and score five against the Thomas Tuchel team as well. It was a real sort of shock result. We've seen a few of those results uh, across this season. But I suppose that just j- does just really prove that there is sort of flashes of, of quality in this West Brom team and, and Liverpool are really going to have to to be at it if they're going to win this one. Yeah, I think that may be, OK, that was very much them stretching their uh, resources and, and their performance levels to the very, very highest. And you've got to bear in mind that Chelsea were playing with 10 men for the most of that game. But even so, I don't think that, you know, they were still trailing 1-0 at the time, Albion, when Thiago Silva was sent off. So they still had to turn the game on its head and... Um, and then the way they did so was was really quite startling. The goals they scored were absolutely excellent. The quality of all of them, the finishes from Robinson and Pereira, they were really, really good goals. Uh, and they, I, I really do think that they just they just deserve the, the win on the day. And it, it does stick out like a sore thumb when you look at Tuchel's record since and, and even before that game. Um, so they do, I mean, you know, Pereira is somebody that I would fully imagine will be a Premier League player next season, if not a, a top flight player around Europe. I know there's teams that are probably take him in Germany and, and, and Italy and Spain. So um, I think that really between him, you've got Sam Johnston, who's had another very, very good season despite the goals that they've conceded. Um, they'd be they'd be the picks really in terms of the, the players who they could probably sell in the summer. The quality's there. Callum Robinson, when he when he fancies it and you know he's he's in front of goal, he's he's proven himself to be a very, very good finisher this season. We've not seen enough of Carlin Grant. Uh, and Grady Diangana really as much as we'd have liked, but certainly the money that they spent on the on those players last summer. Um, but yeah, Pereira is without question. Pereira is the key man, and um, you know if you if you can kind of stop him from playing and dictating the play um, in the in the in the final third, then you're kind of halfway there really in stopping Albion. Pereira sort of strikes me as one that you could quite easily see moving on this summer, maybe going to a, a West Ham or an Everton or a team like that. Is his ceiling? Possibly even higher than that, though. Is is he maybe one of the the so called top six? Is he is he someone that they should be looking at? Perhaps. I think so. Personally, I, I don't. I don't look. I mean, when I look at Pereira, I think there are one or two players who come along when you're a, when you're a fan of a club. And I know that Albion fans older than me will be talking to you all about Sir Regis and Brian Robson and that kind of era. But for me, you know, I, I look growing up. Jason Kumas was absolutely wonderful footballer, one of the best footballers I saw when I was a young kid watching West Brom. But Pereira is in that bracket in terms of the way that he's taken to life in England. He'd never played in English football before last season. He scored goals for fun and, and assisted for fun in the Championship, and he's done so again this season. So you've got to bear all that in mind. It's all about the money they can make out of him because they signed him for nine million. They've got to hope that they could make. You know, I really think they should be making four times as much as that uh, when they sell him. 
And you you do look at teams like Everton who have signed players like Sigurdsson, etc., from relegated clubs previously and have spent big money on those players. Um, I could see him at a club like that, definitely. I could see him at a club like Arsenal. I, I don't really see what's stopping him because he's he's only 24. He's proven he can do it in a, in a, in a let's be honest, a really struggling West Brom team all season. You know, he's got 11 goals this season. I think he's got five or six assists as well. So he has pretty much had a part to play in half of their goals that they've scored one way or the other. Um, so you bear all that in mind. He's had a similar kind of role to what Jack Grealish did with Villa last year. It, unfortunately, he's not been able to be that talisman that's kept them up. But, you know, in, in terms of his numbers, they're very, very similar. So I'm not saying they're going to get anything like what Villa would get if they sold Grealish tomorrow. But he's he's that kind of player, you know, he, he's a real talisman. I could see him at reaching any level in the Premier League, to be honest. Behind Enemy Lines on the Blood Red Channel. Brady Dean Garner as well, I wanted to, to ask about. He's one that has stood out to me at times this season, probably a few months ago now. He, he seems to have sort of dropped off the radar a bit, but again, there's clearly a quality player in there somewhere. Yeah, Grady signed a five-year deal last summer and um, they spent the bulk of their money on him. Go back to last summer and there was a lot of fanfare. You know, we all knew what Grady could do because of, of the loan spell that he'd had. Um, I recall that Mark Noble actually took to social media last summer to basically, you know, um, publicly kind of berate West Ham for selling him one of their one of their finer young talents that they produced at their their academy. So it, it seemed like a real coup. And we just hoped that Grady could kind of hit the ground running in the Premier League the way that he did in the Championship, the way that Pereira has done this season. Uh, and he scored a wonderful goal at Goodison. And we all kind of thought, you know, this 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 is kind of him announcing himself on, on the Premier League stage. And sadly, it just hasn't really worked out like that. I think he, he was obviously close with Slaven and Slaven left the club in December. He was close with Filip Kravinovic, who... Um, was whose loan was ended prematurely in January. So, plus the fact that he is still a 22, 23-year-old lad living by himself in, in a different city to where he's grown up in. You know, we've had the pandemic to deal with, so he's not exactly been able to go and see his friends and family. I think it's been really, really difficult for him um, just generally. And I think while in the last three or four months, while Sam Allardyce has been trying to kind of resurrect Albion and and pull them out of this um, this relegation scrap, which unfortunately he's not he's not been able to do. They've not really been able to afford Grady that much time um, and, and and space to kind of you know show what he can do. And he got a few minutes off the bench the other night against Arsenal. First time we've seen him for a little while, and maybe we'll see a little bit more of him in these coming games. But um, he's certainly one that you look at and think he's not going to get a Premier League move based on what he's done this season. So let's try and reignite Grady and let's let's try and get him being absolutely at it again in time for um, the start of the championship season. Let's talk about Big Sam then. Obviously, he's come in. It's his first relegation. It's probably not something that he wants to have on his CV. Do you think it will be him in charge next season? Will he be the one to, to try and get West Brom back in the Premier League? I think the club certainly want him to be in charge. I think it kind of rests at Sam's door now. They've been having talks this week um, and his press conference is later today. So we're, we're kind of hoping that we'll, uh, we'll learn a little bit more but um, it, it's, I suppose it's on Sam. Sam is somebody that when he's been asked about it previously and he's been asked about it a lot previously and it's been a case of, you know, we need to kind of get our ducks in a row. We need to see what the financial situation is, what kind of budget I'd have to play with. Uh, and of course, that's all affected by sales of Johnston Pereira, et cetera. 
does he have that far in the belly to kind of turn up at Luton on a Tuesday night in November and December and, and, and you know, just be that man that can, can get Albion back at the first time of asking? We've seen what Norwich and Watford can do um, after a single season. And, we've seen, and, of course, Bournemouth, the other team, are in the playoffs as well. So there is, does seem to be a, big, a gap emerging now between the Premier League and the Championship. I do think if you drop down now with the parachute payments and if you're able to hold on to your better players as Norwich and Watford did, then you're almost kind of halfway there, really. That's what Big Sam will have to kind of um, weigh up, I suppose. And, and um, does he does he, does he he want the challenge? Does he want, you know, he's, he's got that relegation on his CV, which is regrettable, but he doesn't think it will affect him in the long term. And I'd be inclined to agree when you look at David Moyes at West Ham, got relegated three or four years ago and, it's not let it's not let it hold him back, you know. He's 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 just cracked on and he's kind of gone to the next level in terms of his management. So, I think Sam, he's got to kind of consider: will there be another knock on the door in November, December time? Premier League club, you know, kind of wanting a safety net the way West Brom did, um, and will he be more inclined to take up that offer than than be stuck in the Championship with West Brom? I do think if Albion can get him to sign on the dotted line, then. Um, they will be very, very big players in the championship next season. I've got no doubt about that. So it's kind of all on Sam. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll know a little bit more. Yeah, certainly something to, to watch out for. He certainly had some success against Liverpool in the past. And just to, to finish, really, I'll, I'll get a score prediction from you as well. Uh, but first and foremost, really, I mean, what have you made of Liverpool so far this season? I think for a lot of Liverpool fans, that draw with West Brom a couple of months back, that was probably a turning point and, and the start of a really poor run for them in this calendar year. What, what's it sort of been like from the outside to, to look at Liverpool? Yeah, I've, I've really admired Liverpool, what they've done for the, especially in the last two years um, before this season started. And perhaps it was a case of almost it, it being so difficult, almost impossible to maintain those levels when you consider what they did in the Champions League and 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 how unfortunate they were that they ran into a team that in Manchester City in the Premier League the season before when they got 90 odd points, they still didn't win the league. Um, and then, of course, they went one better last year. And maybe it was just, I mean, we can all point to the injuries, I suppose. And they just seem to run out of puff a little bit. You know, yes, the injuries have affected them defensively, but they've not been scoring goals in the same manner that they, that they had been in the last couple of years as well. So I watched the game last night with a lot of interest and, um, you know, you can still see what they've got in the in the in the bank in terms of the quality, and when they really really get it together, you know, they've they've got so much class, and some of the goals they score were wonderful. So it's in their hands, I suppose, isn't it? I think with Chelsea and Leicester playing each other, that it means that Liverpool win their their, their final three. They'll be in the in the top four, which I think probably three, four, five weeks ago that was a pretty long shot. So in in that respect, they are end of the season with a flourish and. So big, isn't it? When you're a team like Liverpool to be in the Champions League, it's enormous. So they can get themselves in the Champions League, bat them with maybe one or two more. I don't think the January window was brilliant for them. I think, I don't know, a lot of Liverpool fans would have wanted to have seen one quality defender rather than a couple of kind of bit part defenders. I think that they've got a you know a couple of decent signings in the summer window. They could have another push for the title again. I don't, I don't think they'll be that far away next season. 
yes, win all three of the final games, and it is pretty much guaranteed. It does depend slightly on the Leicester versus Chelsea result next week, but I'm sure if, if Liverpool do win those three games, they're almost certainly going to be there. So plenty of, of pressure on Liverpool, not so much pressure or not any pressure at all on West Brom. I think that's uh, pretty much going to sum up the, the sort of story of this game, how that sort of pans out, how both teams cope with that. I'm going to predict, I think, a nervy sort of 1-0 Liverpool win. I think they will get there, but I think it is going to be a, a struggle. I think West Brom will give them a game. How do you sort of see it panning out? I think it'll be 2-1 to Liverpool. I think I can see West Brom scoring. They've not had any problems scoring particularly recently, you know, especially if Pereira is on his game. But they drew a blank at Leicester. They were well beaten at Leicester at the King Power a couple of weeks ago. But they scored against Villa and Wolves and Arsenal since. And I do think that they'll chip in with a goal into the game, whether that kind of comes in like the early stages and they take the lead or it's a consolation. I, I, I just fancy them over the course of 90 minutes against two. I'm assuming it'll be the two younger lads in, in, in the um, centre of defence for Liverpool again. But I do fancy maybe Diane to kind of rough them up a little bit and, and for them to nick a goal somewhere along the lines. But I do think that despite what we say about the no pressure on West Brom, I do think that Liverpool um, I've got too much to play for, really. Uh, I just think I, I can just see it them them digging it out. As you say, it might be a little bit nervy, the pressure's on and um, it might not be the prettiest of games, but I, I do think Liverpool will get the job done. Yeah, I think it could be uh, crucial when that first goal comes and, and which way it goes. I think it's obviously important in every game, isn't it? But certainly for Liverpool at the moment, they can't afford for any of those nerves to get the better of them. But of course, we will see what happens. You can follow it all across the Liverpool Echo website and Blood Red, of course, in all of the usual places. If you haven't done already, make sure you sign up for the Blood Red newsletter as well. The link for that will be in the description below. And you can also sign up across the Liverpool Echo website too. For now, though, thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of the build-up to the game. From myself, Matt Addison, and from Joe Chapman, it's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel.